Hey everyone, welcome to Spillin' the Syrup. This episode you're about to hear was recorded over a year ago. It never got released, and now you're going to be listening to a special episode from the Spillin' the Syrup Vault. Enjoy! Have you ever watched a wrestling match? Perhaps on TV? Live at a stadium? Maybe your school had a wrestling team. There is no doubt that this Olympic sport has been something humans have been doing for quite a long history. During my lifetime, it's also entered the pop culture zeitgeist as sports entertainment. Today, we're going to be spilling the syrup on what it's like to be a wrestler and introduce you to our guest this week. We're going to discuss him working as, quote-unquote, the machine, his wrestling persona. Hey, man. How's it going? I really am glad that you're here because I wanted our listeners to hear what it's like to be a wrestler because... I just think that would be something really interesting to hear about, like the day in the life. I want you to talk about how you first started getting involved in wrestling. Well, wrestling's something I've watched ever since, pretty much as long as I can remember. I remember watching like Sting versus Hogan with my father in WCW in the 90s. So for me, it's as far back as memory goes, and it was something I always wanted to do. And uh when I was 21 year, 20 years old, 21 years old, uh, I had an opportunity when I, I went to a random show in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, in front of about 40 people. And uh, at the end of the night, I went up to the guy who was running the place and then, you know, was, hey, can we talk about some training or something maybe? And he said, you know, give me a hand with this ring and everything. We'll get this all put away and we'll talk. And uh, so I gave him a hand there and he's looked at me and was like, man, you're big, dude. You're strong. So I stand just about 6'4", 245 pounds. So he's like, I got the perfect character and I, I'm going to train you. Yes. Most guys I've heard eight months to a year, six weeks later, it was sink or swim kid threw me in the ring as uh, the Texas hangman. And I proceeded to play as the Texas hangman for about four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. How do you go from being like yourself to your it's your persona so what changes once you get out there the character i play for example i play you know somebody who's a lot more like the demon kane or the undertaker i'm more of an evil creature kind of character you know i'm somebody who you're scared to see you know I'm, i've literally made children cry <laughs> yeah, and uh, th- that's pretty awful but it, it's you know it's part of the character it's part of the show and uh to get into that mindset, I honestly, like, I, I got my mask and everything. I, I, I wear a mask and my ca- whole character. I honestly, I'll just go into the back. I'll isolate myself and I'll just, you know, calm down. I need to work myself out. I can't smoke any marijuana first because then I forget everything I'm supposed to remember. And that's the worst <laughs> thing ever. So, like, I, I've only, I stopped doing that uh, pretty early in my career there. But uh, that's so true as well. Yeah, yeah. You just really, you kind of got to get in that mindset. And you, you get so used to it too, doing it in front of people because you've been doing it for a while. I've been doing it since 2015. So, you know, I, it's something I've done hundreds of times now. And so, yeah, I kind of just put on everything. I know what's expected of me. And then I'll sit down with my guy and, you know, we'll go over some stuff. I like to learn kind of what their character is about too. Because sometimes there's funny ways I can incorporate me being the big, bad, scary monster with somebody who's funny. Like I worked with this guy a couple months back, Mike McSugar in ringside wrestling for the North American championship. And uh, he's uh, very flamboyant over the top homosexual. Uh, that's what the character is. And it's so, you know, we had some fun with that. We're like, you know, he had me on my hands and knees climbed on the back and slapped me on the bomb, you know, 
embarrass me. And I try to, you know, work some fun moments in like that with everybody too. Everybody's got to get their shine and look good and have a good time. And the fans eat that crap up whenever you can get a chance to throw that out there. Fans love to see the big, bad, scary guy get humiliated. So I love to give them that once in a while too. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's the show and you really have worked hard. Like you worked your way up, like you paid your dues. And so how important is it the performance versus the actual physical impact on the body that it is what does it require you to do to have so you know you do need some level of strength of course but i think the most thing the thing you need the most is just you got to be durable because i mean like you you got guys out there and i've even wrestled them that are like five foot six maybe 130 140 pounds they're just toothpicks but they do you know they'll flip and do high flying crazy stuff like lucha libre and that draws an attention and people want to see that that is awesome like i'm Mm -hmm. large to do that i wish i could do that people love seeing that so you know you you got so many different characters so many different things everybody does and it's lost my train of thought because i get excited talking about this stuff honestly (laughs) yeah no that's for sure everybody's good at something and everybody's good at different things and people got different skills i'm just wondering if i tried to wrestle how successful i would be it's honestly all dedication, man. It's dedication. If you put in the work, you got, you got to work on your body because like at the end of the day, being physically fit is a thing that does matter to some level of degree because you do want to look like you could kick somebody's butt. You know, you do have to put in a lot of hours training. Like I said, typically it's about eight months to a year. You're going to spend in a training before you're going to have a wrestling match and I was fortunate. My training was hanging out, smoking cigarettes, smoking pot, getting in a wrestling ring and screwing around a little bit. Most people's wrestling is you go to like a gym scenario. It is you are working out, you're doing stretches and super heavy, intense exercise. Then you're wrestling around in the ring, doing some bumps, which is, you know, slamming yourself down, etc., hitting ropes. Funniest thing that I found, and nobody I think would ever think this, is that when you first start wrestling, Getting slammed on that ring, yeah, it's not the best feeling in the world, I'll admit that. But hitting those ropes was the worst thing ever. And it actually left bruises all across my back for like weeks when I first started doing that. And that's something I don't think anybody would ever think of, man. No, that's intense and that would be very painful. It's, yeah, like at the time when I started, I weighed almost 300 pounds. And so I was running like full force hitting these ropes and the ropes are aircraft cable inside of a garden hose. So I'm just bouncing off metal. Eventually, I don't feel it at all anymore. I can, I've been slammed on concrete and jumped off ladders. Like I don't, you don't feel it anymore. But, it, you know, it, it, I guess you don't feel it, but it's not bad anymore. Yeah, you get used to it. Yeah, they. I've read somewhere, I'm not sure exactly how scientifically accurate it is, but they compare a bump to being in a car accident at about 50 kilometers an hour. And sometimes you'll do in a match, I'll, I typically won't because I'm the big guy, but I'll slam a kid around fuck, 10, 15 times. You train to land, you know, like you need to learn how to land to distribute your weight essentially so you don't hit properly. Things like, you know, tucking your neck, keeping your head from slamming off that ring. You, when you land, you want to land with your feet flat. You don't want to land with your legs pointed out. You want to land with feet flat with your knees pointed up, you know, things like that. Little things that a lot of people would never think of. Um, if anybody here actually does watch wrestling and you don't know much about the actual mechanics to it, if you go back and watch a wrestling match right now, 
and you watch them run across the ring to do the ropes, every person is always going to, except for John Cena, every person's going to lead with the right foot and they're going to reach out with their right hand. They're going to grab the rope with the right hand every time, spin. The right hand is going to hold that rope and they're going to take three steps, right, left, right, across that ring. Or, yeah, like across that ring every time. And then they'll pivot into a spin. If you watch, there's little things like that, little footwork things that we've learned. We have what's called lanes and everything that, when I first got there, oh my God, was my mind blown. I just thought I was going to throw people around. Well, that's what people see too. Yeah. And you would never think it that, uh, at least I never did. I'm not very smart, but I would have never thought of nearly as much stuff that really does go into it. Just as far as the footwork goes or, um, you know, if I'm going to pick somebody up, you know, you, have, you they grab the guy by the hair and they'll drag him around. You don't just reach out and grab him by the hair. I'm going to take my hand and I'm going to grab him over exaggerated so that that person way up in the nosebleeds can see what I'm doing still. They know something's yeah. happening. That person's not going to see me just grab him. They need to see me grab him, you know, make this big, yeah, you know. And that's like a thing too. Like it's all a level of psychology you have to bring and present in that ring. It's that you have to consistently think about too. Like I'm beating up, I'm the bad guy. So I'm beating up the good guy, but I got to sit here at the same time now. And what you like this guy? You know what I mean? Like I gotta, I gotta talk my crap. I gotta play to the fans too. And I gotta, you know, and sometimes, you know, you you can tell the fans are even just like, Oh, I don't want to see this. They're getting bored. And you just got to think of something really good to jump it out of that. Or you just need to go home and go to that finish and get out of that ring because they don't want to see your crap no more. Because, yeah, like you could be given 12 minutes. But, like, there was this time I was wrestling this guy, Barricade. And this was in uh, Edmonton for Real Canadian Wrestling. We were told to go out and do, like, eight minutes or something. And uh, I went out with Barricade. And he was not willing to run. He was not willing to bump. And he was not willing to do basically anything with me. So I said, all right, whatever. Put him over in about a minute and walked out. said, no, I'm not doing this, man. Like, no, just give me your finishing move. Let's go home then. I'm I'm done. I'm not doing this. I'm not playing this crap. This is stupid. Let's go home. You know, because nobody wants to see that. He's not willing to put on a show at that point. So let's get him out of the ring and put somebody who's going to put on a show in the ring. And I have no disrespect for Barricade, by the way, as well. Like, I love him. He is a great person. It was one night. When he didn't want to do much. He might not have been feeling well. I don't really remember all the circumstances around it. I've seen him do much more. He just, that night, didn't want to do nothing for me. There was nothing I could do really unless I wanted to assault the guy. And I'm not about taking it and making it real. We don't got to make it real. Yeah, exactly. If they wanted him to win anyway, I'll put him over. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned all those things because it's it's a performance as much as it is it's a sport. It's actually, in my mind, quite difficult because it's both. So in the end, how do you win? Essentially, there is, you you get paid. Because at the end of the day, right, like, I don't know, in my opinion, I'm the bad guy. So like my job is to make them love the good guy. So if I'm laying on my back looking at the ceiling and he just pinned me, but they're freaking screaming, yeah! I won. I did my job, you know, but also if I got to beat them and then I pin him, it's, it's literally a pinfall or submission or like, yeah, you can get disqualified count outs, that kind of stuff. If I beat him, then they're going to boo and they're going to freak out. I've had a lady get in my face while I was trying to leave the ring after I uh, defeated the chief by 
less than legitimate means in Regina a few years back. And uh, she literally, you piece of shit, you motherfucker, right in my face, like on the entranceway. And I had to literally just then walk around this lady. Where's security? Like, can't hit a little old lady. She's not going to sell if I don't punch her for real. So, yeah. Well, there's the passion right there. Obviously, it's sparked a reaction in somebody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a, there was a time, uh, my first year in the business, I was working with Ringside Wrestling as the Texas Hangman, and uh, I went undefeated for about a year. And they, you could just tell they really wanted to see me lose, man, real bad. Like, there was uh, – oh, you wouldn't probably know, but Lance Storm was a WCW guy, went to WWE – all that stuff. He runs a wrestling school in Calgary, Alberta. His rookies come out and come around Regina and Alberta. And I've worked with a lot of them. I've met a lot of them. I'm good friends with a few of them, actually. But uh, there was one night when we were doing a show, and I like to talk a lot of shit because that's what my character is. So we had uh, these kids that both trained with Lance Storm. So I go out, and uh, I decisively clean not cheating beat tony novak who was a graduate of lance storm then to call out you know this is all you got lance this is the best you can send me next comes six foot five britain bayless to the same fate that's how big the character was being built so when i finally lost to this guy jeremy joseph jeremy joseph great friend of mine he's working down in mexico right now um sweet daddy soul yeah, he, uh, he when he was the guy to finally beat me, the fans exploded because it was like I went to grab him for my finishing move, which I called shit out choke, and I swear I grabbed the guy by the throat. I'll pick him up in the air, and I sit down as I slam him on their back. And when I went to pick him up, I was like, I threw him too high. He went right over my head. I'm like, what? He jumps back up on my shoulders, freaking rolls me up one, two, three, and he's gone. And the fa- he's like, yeah, I just beat the hangman. Nobody beat the hangman for a year. It was the best feeling, man, because I heard the way the fans just exploded to finally see me lose, finally get my crap. I love that shit. Yeah, but does that happen to everybody? Eventually, you're going to lose a match, and it's like, it's when they're waiting for it. Oh, yeah. Like, even, I mean, they, they overplayed the numbers for sure, but in the 90s, they tried to do this thing with Bill Goldberg, former NFL player turned pro wrestler. Uh, where he had two moves. He would spear you, tack you with the shoulder, then he'd pick you up like he's going to give you a suplex. But instead of suplexing you back, he'll dive on top of your body. He calls it the jackhammer slam. So he does spear, jackhammer. Embellish the crap out of the numbers, but I believe it was 192-0 is what they were trying to sell him as. Finally, Goldberg loses. It took a taser and like four guys, but Goldberg lost. So, I mean, everybody does finally get their, their loss for sure. And... It's usually on a big guy like that, if he's the good guy, it's not going to be clean. But if it's a bad guy, you're usually going to put over an upcoming star pretty clean. And they're going to win fair as fair can be. And I go on to be somebody to go up for like a belt or, you know, at least going up towards that top card slot. Is being clean in, you know, these terms or having a dirty match, is this specific to wrestling? Essentially, because wrestling's a performance, it's, um, well, it takes an incredible amount of athletic ability. Wrestling is not actually a sport. Uh, we, and Vince McMahon actually was the one who came out and claimed that. That's why it's called sports entertainment, is because sports leagues and teams have extra taxes that they have to pay to operate. 
So for him to operate as a sports league would have costed him more money. So in the, I believe it was the late 90s or something like that, or maybe the 80s, he came out and said, essentially, yeah, wrestling's fake. Just so you know, it's predetermined. Uh, it's a show. It's entertainment. It's not a sport. And so it's technically not a sport anymore as far as sports entertainment goes, uh, which is what I'm involved in. Greco-Roman is, of course, still its own sport, and rightfully so. It's awesome. But uh, when I'm talking clean, it's because we're in a performance, right? So um, if it's going to be a dirty finish, that means you know somebody's going to distract the referee or I'm going to like you know cheat somehow to get over and win. But if it's clean, that means like no, no shenanigans, fair match. He just won. That's it, you know. And made him look good for winning clean. Where Because the good guy always wants to win clean. Where the bad guy will a lot of the times win by dubious means. You know, um, a lot of them have managers. The manager will step up on the ring rope, start yelling at the referee. You know, the referee comes over, starts saying, get off the ring rope. And then buddy will pull out like a steel chair or brass knuckles and punch the other guy in the face. Knock him out. Boom. Pin him. One, two, three. Yeah. You know, and the ref didn't see it. It's good. The ref didn't see it. I win. He called it the power of the punch. And he'd pull the brass knuckles out of his tights, punch a guy in the head, and then stuff the brass knucks back in his tights. And then for, he called it, yeah, yeah, that's why I win. It's because I got the punch, man. You know, like, so there's always those kinds of characters. I mean, when I was uh, doing the uh, Texas Hangman, I used to carry around a noose. And I would put the noose around people's necks. I would hang people and stuff like that. Um, of course, we would do what we could to make sure I wasn't hanging people but it would appear that way you know they'd go over rope would be limp their feet had hit a ground and then i'd pull a rope kind of gimmick so that it it tightened a bit but it wouldn't and they'd go tippy toes for me but they weren't actually being leveraged it's a work like uh we do blade jobs so like if you want to see blood in pro wrestling you will uh my myself uh this is what i was taught is you tape it inside your wrist tape a razor blade and after you take that big steel chair shot or something to the head, you're going to pop that razor blade out and you're going to cut your face open. And then you're going to look up and it's just going to pour. There's a vein that runs right through your skull here. And if you cut this vein, it'll pour pretty good. Some guys will drink a little bit before that. Some guys will pop Tylenol because it's a blood thinner. It's real blood. And that's actually why if you watch the WWE product now, they do not use blood anymore. I've actually gone through two of these. This uh, being my mask here. Because I, one of them I got, uh, we had a cut open up here and then I had a fork jammed into my head. And then uh, the other one was just a blade job from the steel chair. Wow. Oh my God. But that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's always real blood. Uh, my worst ever one, I've been injured a few times, but my worst ever one, in my opinion, I guess it broke my spine. But. The one that hurt the most was I broke my nose. Um, I went to catch a guy out of the air by the throat for my finishing move, but he overjumped and headbutted me right in the nose. And my mask, as you can see here, I don't have eye holes, mouth holes, a whole lot to go on here. So it just starts pooling up inside and it started like bubbling out and like pouring everywhere. And that night, the plan was this was match two of the night. I was supposed to beat Tyrone Ironside. I'm going to start beating him up after the match. Then the heavyweight champion comes out, saves him, and challenges me to the main event for the heavyweight title. And we went through with that, and I accepted because I didn't realize my nose was broken. 
So I went backstage and had to readjust my own nose in the back, clean it up. I had to send a little oh. rink check to go clean out the dang mask. And uh, I ended up having to work a 20-minute main event with a broken nose. And I caught a drop kick about three minutes in off the top rope right in the nose. So there was blood all over me, all over Joe, all over the fans, all over the ring. And I, I was damn near ready to pass out by the end of the night, honestly. Guys like Sin Cara who break their finger and they call the match off. There was I was wrestling against the Blazing Dicks. And there's actually a video of this one. In uh, 2017, I was teaming up with Bobby Schink uh, in April 2017 in Edmonton, Alberta. And I took a bad German suplex. And I broke my spine in three places. I stand up. I finish the damn match. And then I also worked the Royal Rumble Battle Royale at the end of the night before I went home. Some people break a finger and they're like, oh, I need to go to the hospital. I've broken my back. I've broken my tailbone. I've broken my nose and I've torn my rotator cuff all in a wrestling ring. Oh, my God. What do you say to the people that might be listening or might have this perception that because, as you said, it's sports entertainment, but that it's too violent or it's immoral or something? You know, we hear this a lot, too, with MMA as well. The thing I got to say about the, the, the major differences between this and MMA is MMA is, and I actually do a mixed martial arts as well. You beat the hell out of each other in a fight in MMA. I'm in a fight with you in MMA. I am ready to die and I am ready to kill. The referee is who is there to stop that from happening. But you are there to fight until you are told by the referee to stop. If he doesn't tell me to stop and this guy's there unconscious, I have to keep going. We're in professional wrestling. We do everything we can to protect each other every step of the way. Even if we are doing something that looks incredibly violent, you bet your ass that we have done everything we can to make that safe. And it, we are essentially at that point doing a glorified stunt. I've landed on thumbtacks before, and I'll tell you right now that they don't just throw thumbtacks and throw me on the thumbtacks. They say, I got this idea, what do you think? You know, and they ask me if it's something I'm willing to do. And depending how far into a story I am or what I'm going to get paid if I do it or, you know, things like that. I mean, that's what determines whether or not I'm going to do it. Typically for me, I like to make everything about money. Because there's only two things real in wrestling, and that's the money and the miles. Yeah, that's it. So I make everything about money. So there's always one guy who stuff's not about money with, and that's Joe. And that's because Joe trained me for free out of a hole in the ground. Literally didn't charge me a dime. Uh, just asked for my loyalty and that I never turned my back on his company or ever worked a show that ran against him. So even when I had a falling out with him, I honored my word and I never worked for the opposing company. I was told it's right from the get-go that, man, like, your championship belts, they don't fucking matter. It's a prop. Wins and losses don't matter. Who cares? You know, like, it's a, it's, it's a fake fight. Who cares if you win a fake fight? It's like being the bad guy in a movie. At the end of the day, like, you're here to make money and you're here to have a good time because it is a lot of fun when you finally get into it. And, you know, I've had kids come up to me when I was the bad guy nonetheless, and they're telling me that they like me more than they like John Cena. You know, like, that's a cool feeling. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, that, that's his demographic. And they're coming over like, I like you better than John Cena. And I'm like, 
right on, you know, and then they want to take pictures and stuff like that's a cool feeling too. And like, I have a seven year old son and to him, it's the coolest thing in the world that dad's a pro wrestler. And I try to get over to him repeatedly that it's a work and it's not real. But I remember the last time he came to a show, uh, I put over Davy O'Doyle. I lost to Davy O'Doyle and he actually cried because he was so sad. Oh, yeah. Can't get him to believe it's fake. He thinks it's so real because it just it looks real, I guess. You are a professional. Oh, yeah. It's been a good six, seven years. You know, um, I mean, I'm not like in the sense of, you know, I work in the Fed, like WWE or you know AEW or any of the top leagues or anything like that. But I mean... It's also, I live in Saskatchewan. You know, limited opportunities right. arise when you live in Regina, okay? You, you, we got about 1.1 million people this whole province. Now, I'm going to tell you, big wrestling names to come out of Saskatchewan ever. Rowdy Roddy Piper. End list. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not a big list. So, uh, yeah. that's why I've uh, done, a, done a lot of expanding to, like, Alberta, though, because... Uh, I actually am really good friends with uh, the promoter there, Stephen Styles, and he will book me anytime I want. He's a great dude, and yeah, he, Alberta is a place that you will get a lot more eyes on you. So um, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I, I, yeah. I honestly, I just do it for fun, man. I mean, I like to make my money when I'm doing it, but my thing is that's because like I'm usually traveling somewhere. So, like, they're, they're going to pay me some gas. They're going to pay for some hotels and stuff. Now you're going to give me some spending money, you know? Like, I'm getting exactly. a free vacation out of the deal. I, I don't have to show up to a venue till about 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. From when I wake up 9 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock, whatever it ends up being, until 4 o'clock in the afternoon to do whatever I want all day. That's pretty good. Yeah. Then I show up there, and I'm there till maybe 11 or 12. Because the show doesn't start till about eight, but we got to set up, uh, like, we set up the ring. There's not ring crew. And, like, even in WWE, like, the wrestlers do build that ring. Maybe not all the time, but they do contribute. Uh, a lot of the time now, I believe it's the rookies from NXT, the lower generation kind of like up and coming WWE superstars, which is like where they send the first guys. I believe they do a lot of that right now, but um, yeah, it's, you know, we build those rings ourselves. We haul them out ourselves after the show that you'll watch us do these crazy stunts and crap. And then a minute you guys have all left the venue and the doors closed behind you. We're all out in our freaking civvy clothes, freaking ripping this ring apart, trying to get it loaded on a trailer, get the hell out of there. The talent is responsible a lot of the time for the the set. Yeah, and the, we have a, a big problem with a lot of like, I'm doing this for seven years, and I don't try to act like I'm better than anybody. I'm not. I am not by any means great. I play a character that is easier than crap to play, and requires limited work. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I could I do more than my character? Yes, but I don't have to, so it's sweet. But a lot of these guys, they'll they'll sit there and be lazy. You know, at the end of the night, they're sitting there waiting for their payout envelope. You don't get paid until the ring's away. So these guys will just sit there and wait and watch. Well, you know, you get – and the worst part is it's always the guys that go to the gym. That's my least favorite part is it's always the guys that go to the gym that are sitting there being lazy. It's, oh, well, I've been doing this for five years. I've been doing this for seven. I'm tearing down the ring. Bucky over there has been doing this for 15. Bucky's tearing down the ring. Fucking Kelly over there is doing this for 17. K 
Kelly's tearing yeah. down the ring. Why are you not tearing down the ring? You know, and these guys are the gym buffs. Like, oh, yeah, well, I'm jacked. Like, this one guy uh, on these shows, I've never seen him. And until it's like the lighter stuff where it's like just the bars where you're taking like two guys, one on either side because it's like a 20 foot long steel bar, then they'll start grabbing stuff after all the big heavy frames are all gone. It's like, oh man, like you guys are the jacked ones. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, you get you get the gym buff group and then you got the guys that smoke a bunch of pot and play video games. We got the big boys and the skinny boys and you know, whatever. And then we got all the gym going jacked guys over there and. A lot of them are pretty cool guys. Like, I don't have a personal issue, but I don't like it when I hate anybody who's going to be lazy and sit there. Whether you're a gym going guy, whether you're a fat guy, whether you just work the 30 minute main event, you know, like, okay, maybe if you work the 30 minute main event, yeah, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you, if you just worked on this show, it is your responsibility just as much as it is mine or that rookie kids or the guy who owns the damn promotion. It is. Yeah. You wanted to do this too, or you wouldn't have been here. I think you have the right attitude to have, and it's just also doing your job and respecting your colleagues. Me and uh, Bucky are typically the ones who are uh, responsible, but it's, you know, I'm usually in charge of here in Regina, at least, you know, how the ring gets loaded back on the trailer, how shit gets pulled off, things like that are actually something that Joe relies on me to be the guy to do because I've been around with Joe on and off granted over a couple of personal differences, but for about seven, eight years now. So I know how he likes his ring loaded. I know how he likes his ring built. I know where he likes it set up, you know, and that's why he likes, I think me being there a lot of the times. Cause I, I save him that hassle. <laughs> he doesn't have to go sit there and watch everybody all day. He can just sit there and do his payout envelopes and work through his stuff. Make sure the floors are getting mopped. Cause we go the whole nine yards. Like it's not just tearing down the ring. It's cleaning the venue, making sure everything is spotless. You know, Cause you need to leave a good reputation and a good taste in a business's mouth. Yeah. And uh, we often rent uh, Canadian legions. So, you know, you definitely want to, leave a positive vibe at a legion for sure you know and be respectful would you let your son start if he was interested in getting involved in it it depends where he went and what he was training i would have to be involved in my son's training because i've seen where it can go i've seen what it can do i've seen the drugs yeah you know i smoke marijuana but i uh, i do not touch anything else i don't drink alcohol um so for you know, I don't want to see my son end up down that road and pain pills are so easily available in this industry. Um, and not even just because of people, but if I go to the doctor and I tell the doctor that I've hurt myself, the doctor will write me a prescription for Percocet. It's literally like that because I do pro wrestling and it's happened about three times. And I've literally just flushed the things because I don't want them. I think the narcotics yeah. are not the answer to pain, but you know, it's it's sad. It's scary. It's that thought scares me, and you know the injuries, of course. But I mean, if it's something the kid wants to do, you're never truly going to be able to keep them away from it. And if I'm being honest with you, I'm already being told how he's going to be a wrestler when he's older and all this stuff. So it's already something I've had to kind of prepare myself for. Um, if I could choose, fuck no. I know it's not my choice and I know it's something he already really wants to try one day. And unfortunately that's something that 
because of who I am, I will always, you know, if, if it's something I can give my child and it's an opportunity he wants, I mean, you have to give your children all the opportunities you can, right? And if it's an opportunity he wants and it's an opportunity I can provide, then you bet your ass I'm going to provide that opportunity. It scares the hell out of me because, you know, like I said, I've broken my own spine. I've torn my rotator cuff. Um, I've broken my tailbone and I've broken my nose and that's just in the ring. And that's, you know, since I was 21 years old, 20 years old, I'm 27, just about 28 now. So it's, it's, uh, and my body does not work like it used to. So, I mean, like, it's a scary thought, you know, just him maybe breaking his spine, but not being able to get back up. Yeah. You know, and that, or, you know, like, uh, there's stuff that has gone horribly wrong. There's been professional wrestlers permanently paralyzed. Uh, one from the neck down uh, while wrestling for WWE at the top level. And to this day, like WWE has taken very good care of him. Thank God. God bless, you know, but uh, he doesn't have use of his arms, his legs or nothing because of this business. Owen Hart, he fell to his death in the 90s on live pay-per-view. You know, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I didn't the, know that. The only reason it was not broadcast, he's from Calgary. I actually am friends with a few members of the Hart family. And uh, uh, like, I'll tell you right now, that was not a cool moment. He fell, uh, hit his head on a turnbuckle on the way down. The only reason that was not aired live was because they had a 15-second tape delay on the pay-per-view. That's so tragic. And that's like the scary thing. And that's like with mixed martial arts or even like Olympic wrestling or really any level of combat sport. There is one thing you need to be willing to accept the minute you put on your boots and you get in there is that you may not get out. Doing flips and shit and fucking people land on their heads. Uh, Lance Archer, he's a guy bigger than me, just uh, landed on his head of a moonsault towards the latter half of last year. Uh, on AEW television. And thank God he's perfectly fine. But I mean, that, you know, that's a six foot, I think he's six, seven, 275, 280 pounds landing on his head. That's a scary moment, man. And that kind of stuff happens all the time. Rey Mysterio, he's the greatest mask of all time. And he's been doing this since forever. Since he was a kid, like he he was born into a wrestling family, and uh, that's his name was originally Rey Mysterio Jr. because he's under the I believe it was his uncle or somebody was the original one, but uh, something like that anyway. But it was he uh, comes in and he was wrestling on the Indies. This is uh, probably five or six years ago now, but he does this move. It's called the six one nine. It's where he'll drop kick you in the back and then you fall onto the middle rope with your arms hanging over and you're just kind of dangling. He'll come grab onto the two ropes, swing, kick you in the face with his like chin area, whatever you sell back. It doesn't really hurt actually to get hit by this move, but you sell back. Then he does like a jump off the top rope and like lands on you or something. Right. And then that's how he pins you. Well, he drop kicked the guy in the back and the guy hit the rope. He didn't hit the six one nine and the guy didn't move. What happened was Ray Mysterio snapped his spinal cord when he dropped, kicked him in the spine and killed him instantly. Oh, my God. And he was dead right there on the ropes in front of the crowd. And that's the risk that never goes away. Getting into any of this stuff. And that's, you know, that's the one thing that I would not want my child involved in. I don't like the drugs and the alcohol and the party. 
and I don't like because if I'm honest with you, I'm not in that scene no more. I'm 28 years old, damn near. I got a child, you know, I'm more the get married, settle down and live a normal, peaceful life, not out drinking every weekend, you know? Yeah. I don't really care for the party aspect of it, I guess. You're being supportive to your son and and wanting to support him. So I think that's a great answer. I would do the same thing if I was a parent, which I'm not yet. One day, buddy. One day. We have women in wrestling. We have a trans wrestler that came out. There is a female trans wrestler that wrestles for All Elite Wrestling, which is the alternate program to WWE in the United States named Nyla Rose. She's also uh, part Native American. And okay, well, I mean, nice. to me, that's a pretty, it is a pretty cool and pretty big thing that they're allowing it. You know, and uh, Darren Young came out a few years ago as the first openly gay man working in the business as well, or at least at the top level. And, you know, he got a lot of respect and nobody disrespect him. It's nice to see, you know, like if you would have looked at it back in the nineties, honestly, it probably would have been a lot worse, but now like a lot of the, you know, thanks to society too, of course, uh, everybody's a lot more mature. So like, that kind of shit's really cool. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, I don't I don't think I've heard anything about uh, Gabby going back to wrestling. It kind of sucks because, like, Gabby was up on that ta- on Raw. Like, you know, was actually performing on WWE television and stuff. Like, so this is a very talented individual. And as we've seen with Nyla Rose, this is clearly an option. You can do it. So, like, it's, it's unfortunate that she's taken the route of leaving the business when it's not something she had to do and it's somebody who was clearly talented to get to that level but you know whatever let, let them live their lives i mean as long as she's happy she's happy um it's nice though that uh like the way the business is going right now is a great time to be a wrestler uh there's right now new japan is booming they're doing great business over in japan okay right now. uh then we got uh aew and wwe both down in the states i believe they're both actually in florida one's in jacksonville one's in orlando and then we've got Impact Wrestling actually hailing in Toronto. So that, okay. that's another really big one. That's uh, They got television, I believe, on Spike TV. Uh, they used to be on Spike when I was young. If I'm being honest, I haven't watched the Impact product in a while. But they're out of Toronto. And yeah, they, uh, they're pretty good too. So like, there's a lot of options uh, right now where you can go to make money if you're good enough at least. And it's... In my opinion, that makes it a really good time to be a wrestler because there hasn't been this many options since WWE bought out WCW in like 2001. And that's what it's been is you got WWE and that's it. And then New Japan kind of started stepping up a little bit, maybe five, six years, seven years ago. And then now the AEW jumped in in like 2018, 2019. And it's it's starting to get a lot more exciting, a lot fun, a lot more fun. Um and as, as evidence, like uh, Cody Rhodes, he's the son of Dusty Rhodes, one of the all-time greats. He was wrestling as a character named Stardust in WWE, hated it, left the business, went to the independents, formed this all-elite wrestling company with uh, the Khan family, the billionaire Khan family that owns like uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and stuff like that. And uh, they partnered up and made this all-elite wrestling company to start new business and started getting guys like Chris Jericho and stuff. Well, now Cody is actually leaving. And WWE wants him back so bad that they're willing to just throw basically a blank check at the guy, it sounds like. And it's, it's you know, it just goes to show, too, that you, now the nice thing is there's so many other places out there to get your name there, too, to be able to 
work up to that level, like Ring of Honor and stuff too. And there's the NWA and like, there's so many different places you can go to wrestle and even just get on TV out in the East. There's a couple of ones that have TV out in the States down Southeast there. And it's, we it, I mean, you can get anything like that, any level of that kind of stuff, which is a lot easier to get now than it's ever been. The exposure that's terrific for the business. Yeah. Honestly, that's a great explanation. And it just shows you that if you're passionate about something, you can pursue it and you can do it and you should also enjoy it. Oh, 100%. you need. Yeah, 100%. If, I, if you're not having fun, especially in something like this, where you can get really hurt, or like, you know, you, you really need to reevaluate what you're doing, because you might slip up because you're not there you know you need to be there and you need to really enjoy it and you need to really want to do it or else you need to step away because at that point it's you're gonna get hurt or somebody else is gonna get hurt and so i mean that's the one thing i gotta say for like if there's any for anybody listening that ever wants to be like involved in this kind of thing whether it be wrestling mma anything you need to be willing to know you're gonna get hurt and it's gonna suck but I'll tell you right now that I never regretted a minute of it. Yeah. Well, I feel that's amazing advice. We'll leave on those words because I think that's just perfect. And this is spilling the syrup. So we want to be honest and we want to be able to tell it like it is. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and sharing your insights. It's fascinating. And I think, I hope that the listeners learn something new by answering some of the curiosities that they might have in the firsthand perspective, which you gave And I'm going to ask if you found this episode interesting and would like to see more of this, please give the podcast a follow. Please share with your friends, comment and tag spilling the syrup on IG. And I would appreciate it if you would write a review on Apple Music and rate the podcast on Spotify. And we're also on Amazon Music. But thanks again for being on the podcast today. Absolutely. Anything you ever need, buddy, you just let me know. Alrighty, thanks so much. I appreciate that. And thanks everyone for listening and goodbye.